Hey, John. How's it going? Oh, I'm okay. How are you, Eric? I don't know. I'm feeling pretty fantastic for this episode. Oh, no. Are you doing oh, that thing where you're punning mm-hmm. like the Crypt Keeper? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You know I've axed you before not to do that. I know, but, you know, you've always got a fiend in me. We can help each other along through this. Okay, I really can't stand this anymore. We need to begin the podcast. Uh, why do you want to step out for a breath of flesh air before we get started? Oh man, this is are bad. You, are, you, are you feeling a little <laughs> screamish before we get going? Do you know what vegetarian zombies say? What do vegetarian zombies say? Grains! <laughs> There's no escape. There's no escape from these skeletons. Oh man, they're pretty bad. John. As fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we'll put horror movies to the test to determine what's worth watching, what to watch next, and what's what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, so um, yeah, we're still in, our, in the 90s. Yep. Looking at um, the highbrow and the lowbrow of. <laughs> yeah, are you ready for this grave new world of movies since we're. It's our first Tales from the Crypt episode? I feel like we need yeah. to do like mini episodes of the show. Yeah, um, we should because it's. I mean, it was a very formative show Absolutely. for me growing up. I mean,. We didn't have cable, and so whenever I had the opportunity to watch an episode of Tales from the Crypt, it really was like this kind of, I don't know, looking at the forbidden, like, just Mm -hmm. really special. Even though, I mean, some of it doesn't hold up, but um, I just have really fond memories of of watching that show well and it's something that uh who was it, it was uh wasn't it john carpenter didn't they try to sort of like do a gimmick off they did like an anthology show and he was like a crypt keeper type he was like a mad scientist oh yeah that was, he was body like bags body bag yeah body bags. that was like a made for tv movie i think yeah yeah but that format of the like you know host you know creepy host with an anthology series i mean that goes way back to like EC comics in the fifties mm-hmm. and it's been emulated, you know, in film since then. I mean, mm-hmm. the creep show and, uh, Oh yeah. I forgot about that. So we need to do creep show. Yeah. Um, I like those. I like the anthology ones. Yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. The Crypt Keeper can be a little much sometimes. <laughs> um, 
but yeah i mean it i think i feel like we were at kind of the right age too because of its kind of like sophomoric humor yeah like, but it was also like taboo and kind of scary yeah um it was just kind of perfect for i don't know the age in which i watched it yeah this is my even the one we're talking about demon knight I mean, I had already seen the show, I think, before the movie came out, but it was only after this movie that I actually found the comics. Mm, I found the mm -hmm. comics after. Did you read the comics before? Oh, no. Um, It was the show and then the movie, and, I mean, I had to have been nine or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah, as you can tell, one of our movies is uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and the other is seven so let's just continue talking about demon knight since we're you know on the subject um that was released in 1995 directed by ernest dickerson written by ethan reef cyrus voris mark bishop starring john casser as the crypt keeper billy zane as the collector william sadler as breaker Jada Pinkett Smith as Gerilyn, Dick Miller as Uncle Willie, and Thomas Hayden Church as Roach. <laughs> Roach. Man. Now, if you can hear, there's like kind of a creepy, like creepy Disney music box music? going on. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't either. Huh. Um, let me pause it for a second. <laughs> so yeah, now that we have that demon exercised, <laughs> we can we pull that ghost to get out of here. Yeah, it was seriously like a toy that had gone off on its own yeah. or something. Spooky. Spooky. Okay, so let's talk about the production uh, value of Demon Knight. Okay, so we're looking to see that the film is timeless in the power uh, and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. So production Demon Knight. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's an extremely successful adaptation because it really feels like an episode of the show. Yeah. Like you have cheesy puns, you have bad dialogue, corny special effects, 90s, overacting. 96. Yeah. 96 all like Yeah. Any excuse to show toplessness. Mhm. Or make <laughs> jokes about you know cats or whatever yeah um some yeah it's kind of groan inducing at some points yeah um but that's kind of what the show is and so that's why i think it's among the adapted works that we've seen i mean for better or for worse this is a very successful adaptation of the show well it's like you know sometimes when we watch um some kind of campy horror movies and mm-hmm. they and the tone is off or they don't really know mm-hmm. what the movie is like this movie knows what it is yeah i don't think it's any under illusions but it has some real creep factor and i think like the demons aside from their tails i still didn't understand their tails thinking about the effects like the creatures look good i like the shooting out the eyes thing maybe a little intense with the lightning that shoots out of their face but they've got like these prehensile tail they're not even prehensile because they're like full-on like dinosaur tails yeah i mean 
what stood out to me was the hair, like the loose stringy hair, which yeah. was very Crypt Keeper esque. Yeah, I think they're trying to go for that. Um, I don't know that the demons really didn't have much of an impact for me. For me, it was like it's the Billy Zane show. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, he is. He's totally invested in this. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's great. It's it's delightful uh, to watch him. Yeah, he and Jada Pinkett Smith are, are the best parts of this. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, out of both, I, I mean, in terms of the writing, I like the story of this. I like the sort of like Seven Seal, uh, alignment of the stars for like the demons to take over. It's very it's, goofy. It is. It is. But I it does try fun. to mix like, you know, this. deeper biblical yeah they're in the desert trapped in this like yeah old raunchy house yeah or hotel whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. so i don't know there's kind of a mix here it's hard it's kind of hard for me to say what's what's good or not because it's so tied in with like the nostalgia factor for me um Mm -hmm. because this is one that i haven't seen for a long long time and so my strongest feelings about it are those feelings you know when i'm thinking about watching it as a kid Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's hard to say if you know if this deserves a point for production value uh i i think i'm willing to give it a point just because it is so faithful to the tone of the show i feel like so let's say somebody was watching this and they didn't know about tales from the crypt and hadn't seen any part of it i don't know would they enjoy it as much as somebody who was a fan of the show probably not let's say definitely not <laughs> but, <laughs> like this is not one to give to the uninitiated i don't think so i don't think so i mean i <sighs> I almost have a hard time giving it a point. Um, if Billy Zane alone, you know, <laughs> you mean he doesn't? He sort of deserves his own point. Um, but as far as the rest of it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just maybe too, too goofy. Yeah. Not that I'm, I mean, and we talked about this before. Like, I think I've, I. You know, given points for like Dead Alive or Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You know, yeah. movies that are campy and everything. But this one, I don't. Ugh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I mean, you can not give it a point. I'll I'll give it a point. <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't because I think it needs a little something. I don't know if I'm going to be so generous in the other categories. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to give it a point. Um, let's move on to monster quality. Monster quality. The film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears, and have depth. It tries to have depth, but I don't think... I mean, the flashbacks are cool. I like the idea that sort of this... Um, I don't know. Kind of martyr savior is sort of... You know, our savior of the universe is living all these different lives and getting passed down mm-hmm. through that key but i mean yeah and there's who this are, whole who prophecy are, but it ultimately does like Zane? just come down to you know 
the standard, you know, seven strangers in a house, you know, kept up, like kind of a Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living... Well, and that's the thing, right? So uh, they have the same Night of the Living Dead argument to go into the basement or to, mm-hmm. like, go upstairs or go yeah. um, stay inside the house and barricade. It is very much a Night of the... And I think they know that. I think it's like an homage to that or a ripoff. But still, um, is there depth to the portrayal of these monsters i think so no i mean i th- I think with you know the collector billy zane's character i'm gonna keep talking about him um <laughs> he does seem kind of i don't know bored or impatient with with his job sometimes <laughs> which i think is interesting mm-hmm. um you know, I, I like when we're able to kind of see, I don't know, a monster who, I don't know, is just doing his job. Maybe not like, I, I think he enjoys it for the most part. There are moments where he definitely seems to like revel in the chaos that he's creating. Mm-hmm. But in other times, like you just, you see him get frustrated. Um, and I, I like that part. Yeah. I like that he's like the tempter. I, I yeah. like those like individual scenes where he like is pushing the buttons of everybody to sure, and it gives him an oppor- another opportunity to just show range, you know, <laughs> between the seductive Billy Zane and the like bartender Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, all man. so goofy. We um, need to do a separate superhero podcast where we watch the Phantom. Oh yeah! How long has it been since you've seen the Phantom? Even longer than this. I mean, there's very little I remember from that movie. <laughs> it does not go well. Yeah, because <laughs> it was on Netflix not too long ago, and mm-hmm. it may still be on Netflix. But it, I just watched it, and uh, yeah, uh, and I think Griffin Newman is is the one that said like you know with after the success of of the Tim Burton Batman movie you know, the lesson the studios took from it was not to make more superhero movies, but to take, you know, 1930s pulp characters and make movies of them. Like The Phantom, The Shadow, (laughs) Dick Tracy, you know, um, to varying degrees of success. But yeah, we we saw him at um, at Horrorhound last year, I think. So... I'd like to see him on a panel, but what? Oh, that was what we missed. We missed his panel, and it was just a Billy Zane panel. It was. <laughs> Man, I forgot. We our timing look. is all off. We should have done this movie done, earlier, and so we could done have done the Billy Zane panel. Talk, yeah, because that—that's what was interesting. He wasn't there to represent any one movie. He was only there to do a panel on himself. Yeah, and I think that was a real missed opportunity for us. Yeah, he's. Just kind of an an interesting actor, yeah. interesting figure. But um, uh, any other monsters? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, if we were just going to stretch, we could say vanity, addiction, like all mm-hmm. of the sort of like sins that each one. Yeah, and I mean, you have you know, good versus evil in like um, a biblical sense, you know. Sure. Um, where they they are actually like warriors of Jesus or something, you know, mm-hmm. taking the blood. Um, that part, I don't know. It always kind of bugged me because it felt like the those uh, the key would have run out of blood like a long time before. We'll just keep refilling it in the 
like the new person like she did she refilled it with what's his face's blood yeah but then she you know oh, if she will run out using it if she yeah. keeps using i mean for everywhere she goes like she put it <laughs> every on the bus yeah sure. like she's gonna run out soon she can she use her own blood then i don't know that's a good question <laughs> what are the rules of this? <laughs> what are the rules of this key yeah yeah to, like I, yeah yeah i mean but it does go into this like every generation has their kind of good and bad because at the end you know the collector is just a, a someone different mm-hmm. you know just like uh william sadler like handed on his role to jada pink smith who yeah is is good um and so i i don't know as, as far as depth i i think it's kind of stretching it to say that it has much depth mm-hmm. uh yeah i can't give it a point yeah. I mean, watch this movie for Jada Pickett Smith and Billy Zane, and that's about mm-hmm. it. It's I, I like I said, I think it's a fun watch. I just don't. <laughs> We're going to talk about Seven next. It's just in a completely different ballpark yeah. as a movie, right? And so, Scare Factor. Scare Factor. The film has clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. No, I think there are some like gory moments, like uh, so when the kid. Uh, changes oh, into uh-huh. the demon and he's all like crazy monster slip split open face and they're like ripping like punching hole he <laughs> billy zane punches the dude's head off yeah <laughs> <laughs> burning nipples with a car battery yeah I mean, <laughs> well that wasn't scary that, wasn't, that, that was oh, supposed wow. to be really f- like funny yeah i don't know um no, so I mean some of the gore. That's the thing maybe. with Tales from the Crypt, like it, it scratched that itch of like you know wanting to watch horror, but <clears throat> I was never really scared by it. No, it's always sort of like the Twilight Zone kind of twist. There was like yeah. a Tales from the Crypt twist, like in this one, it's like the story goes on. Yeah, like, whereas the normal one, it's more of like a morality, like yeah. You know, his pride brings him down or something. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't think it has this scare factor, but I think something that was interesting in this movie was the number of times they mentioned going postal or the post office, or there's that character who is a postman that's mm-hmm. reading other people's mail and he has the stockpile of weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to look that up. I was like, man, when did all that sort of going postal mm-hmm. stuff happen? It was uh, started in 86 and then went through, uh, 93 and there was about two incidents per year for that span of like 10 years of like post office employees yeah yeah some sort of like uh like mass shooting or even threat or something mm-hmm. like that that had to deal with the post office so i'd forgotten that that was so much on people's mind i mean it shows yeah. up in this movie a lot like it makes that reference towards yeah that a lot you kind of forget about it because now it's just, you know, they're ever like mass shooters happen or mass shootings yeah. happen everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, going postal doesn't really have that same meaning. No, 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 no. <clears throat> but anyway, huh. I thought that was. That is interesting. Um, well, let's move on to our next movie then. Um, so we're talking about same year. Um, so they had the same. Same, same, you know, technology, same. <laughs> if they're working from an equal playing field, 
we have Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, and then we have Seven. Um, yeah, very different. Uh, this one was directed by David Fincher, written by Andrew Kevin Walker, starring Morgan Freeman as Somerset, Brad Pitt as Mills, Gwyneth Paltrow as Tracy, and Kevin Spacey as John Doe. Okay, so let's get started with the production. I think in terms of writing, uh, this story is fantastic. Yeah. Everything from, well, um, I'll start by saying this is this is one of those movies that's like the perfect blend for Kristen and I because she loves police procedural stuff mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of horror. Um, I'm not really one for like thriller police procedural stuff. And then I'm like heavy on the horror. So it's like the perfect. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, between Silence of the Lambs and this movie, I mean, I know that we should have watched those two together. They're they're perfect together. Yes. Um, and I also just recently watched Michael Mann's Manhunter, which was based on another Thomas Harris book with Hannibal Lecter um, as a character. But yeah, man, I I see. I love the process. Like I love seeing uh, detectives, profilers, like doing their job. Um, when it's done well, uh, when it's portrayed well, it can be thrilling. Mm -hmm. Like even in a non-horror movie, like Broadcast News, where mm. you know you see the behind the scenes of like what has to happen in order for you know a segment to run on time or something. Like you just get really into it. Or um, what was oh Spotlight? You know you saw that movie, right? Mm -hmm. Oh man, there is a spreadsheet montage in that that is so good <laughs> it is just people entering information into a spreadsheet but it's riveting fascinating <laughs> so i love i love a good process uh movie and oh so you mean like uh hackers when they're like hacking the net and there's like numbers floating around everywhere so that kind of thing no, no. <laughs> it's not the same at all oh okay um so yeah i i love that part to this um and i love the relationship between somerset and mills i mean yes how many times you know have we seen old cop and new cop you know or uh you know that kind of dynamic before but it's it's just so authentic here mm -hmm. yeah i like that they in terms of the characters, they come from two completely different worlds, but they're now living in the same one, but they see that world differently. I feel like, you know, Brad Pitt's character represents hope. Um, and it's just like unabashed hope. He like, he thinks he can fix the problem. He thinks he can mm -hmm. solve it and beat the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And Morgan Freeman's a little bit more cautious and is just resolved to things being dirty and grimy. And that's the other mm -hmm. thing about this movie. I think in terms of like atmosphere, um, it's raining 90% of this movie. Oh, yeah. This is totally um, like a neo-noir. Yes, absolutely. Um, Dark it, rooms, it's just, rain constantly. The city is seeping and soaked in sin, mm -hmm. right? And um, the only time it's sort of cleansed and we see the sun and we have the open area and the desert, right, is when they're confronting the devil in the desert at the very end. Mm -hmm. um, that I just think it made it makes a difference tonally in the in the movie mm -hmm. so to add to that that creep factor um 
I think the uh, all the special effects are, are really subtle but done really well, mm-hmm. right? So each of the killing scenes. Um, what's your favorite sin setup? Ooh, out of the seven. I don't know. They are maybe they're I mean, for different reasons. Maybe. Yeah, I mean the one that is always stuck with me is uh gluttony because it's just Mm. such a striking image that's the first one right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so watching the movie in the first time for several years like i i had forgotten a lot of the specifics of of the others Mm -hmm. like for lust i forgot all about the like bladed yeah strap on that was rough to even think about Mm mm-hmm um, I the one that stands out to me the most that I always remember that was the scariest is Sloth because the guy is still alive in mm-hmm. that moment where he just like sits up. Yeah. Um, it's st- like the uh, the air fresheners, Christmas tree mm-hmm. air fresheners, mm-hmm. pine tree air fresheners that are hanging all over the place is just so creepy. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that one's my favorite one. The the level of detail in, in it is incredible. Um, I read that it took like months to write all of John Doe's notebooks mm-hmm. because they actually did like write out his like manifesto. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that level of, of detail is, it's just, it just makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is uh, immersive. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you're part of that world. And you know what? That made me think of, uh, I know it was going to be, hard stretch to find comparisons between this and demon knight but that archetype of good versus evil um is strong in just about the same way in both movies i think so it's like you have john doe the tempter Mm -hmm. the aggressor he's sort of pulling up his demons all over the city Mm -hmm. um and then you have the the old uh and the new the protege that's Mm kind of coming up into it to face the to face the demon kind of similar both stories Right. Old guard, new guard. Right. Changing out. And so I, I think there ultimately has to be some kind of like acceptance or some kind of distance that you're able to create in order to, you know, successfully become the the master or, or to like mm-hmm. re- replace the mentor mm-hmm. figure. And I think that was like Mills's downfall is because he... He was too emotionally invested, mm-hmm. um, despite Somerset's like you know mm-hmm. best attempts. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I don't think Jada Pinkett Smith's character. There's enough there to like oh. <laughs> say what, <laughs> like how how does she become the master in that scenario? I mean, she survives. She's tough. Uh, She's yeah. just the survivor. But that's the thing is that Brad Pitt Mills is not, he doesn't survive this. Or I can't see, I can't see that he survives this. So here's, here's the most unbelievable thing about this movie. Did you, yeah. Did, uh, are you going to talk about the multiple endings? No. Okay. Sorry. The most un- unbelievable thing about this movie is that Mills would actually go to jail for what he did oh you think so yeah we we see cover-ups all the time 
It's true. Like that's the thing. Like, and it's not like the helicopter could be witness because aren't they don't aren't they out of radio contact at that point or something like that or the telephone wires mess with it or something. Even if there is video evidence, that doesn't. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't stop people. So it just it seems like it's coming like the ending is coming from a place where people are good and the law is followed uh, like the law wins at the end mm-hmm. mills doesn't win but the law wins um and that it, it felt a little too and, and i think it's just a sign of the times that we live in where like we you know we see all these videos being released of police brutality or cover-ups and like no justice being done uh you know cops getting exonerated and it's so so it's definitely like an of of the moment kind of feeling for me but it i don't know it seemed to be maybe a failure of the movie in that respect you don't think oh the way i kind of read the ending is it is more about justice and it's sort of like balanced back on the scales so it's like he's his process is complete and justice did prevail in the end Right. Was it fair? But I mean, Mills is broken. He's done. Yeah. No. It, like as, like like as a story, it it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't help but feel like if it was made today, uh, the way in which he is, you know, driven off in the back of a police car, like I feel like that wouldn't i you know i feel like he would continue to you know maybe get transferred or whatever but he'd be like haunted by it but he wouldn't necessarily face the Mm. same consequence Mm -hmm. i I don't know it's a small point but it's just something that really struck me as i was watching the ending of that did you did you watch the multiple ending no but um i you know read about them Though I watched one where it, it was just a very small change, but it was just cut differently at the end. He doesn't have sort of that, you know, in the final cut version, he's got sort of a visceral reaction, right, to shooting. He's just like, like yelling at the ground, like having struggling. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot longer and it's a much slower build for him shooting it. And it just doesn't, it has a completely different tone to it. Yeah. Um, I think the ending that's there is the best ending yeah and i mean um, i think pitt's acting in that is is like the best he's ever done like in any movie yeah where yeah he holds the gun up he takes it away like you just you see everything going on in in his mind and we're it's... we're like we're in prime pit land here yeah. in the mid 90s we're like sexy brad pitt yeah it's happening all over the place and and i think that's part of why the producers were so reluctant to have such a dark ending Oh, but you're doing that to such a yeah. yeah. I mean, both Pitt and Freeman said that they would leave the movie if if that was changed. So, mm-hmm. so production of point. <laughs> That's where we were with that. I mean, yeah, every yeah, I, I everything so. about this is just a perfectly made movie. I don't know how many more David Fincher movies we'll be able to do for the podcast. Maybe Alien Three. Um, is that the only other oh, horror movie that he's so done? Long since I think so. Um, I mean, but he's he's so good at thrillers and that procedural, mm-hmm. you know, part of the story. Like, I love the part where, you know, they're at the apartment 
and they can't go in because they don't have a warrant, right? And so they, like, pay off a junkie to, like, you know, tell the police they witnessed something. So now they have, like, I just, it takes two minutes, but it's just such a great detail mm-hmm. to the story, you know? So, yeah, definitely a point. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. Hey, monster quality. Who are our monsters? So we can start with John Doe. It's sure. Kind of just like. Well, I mean, we have um, early in the movie, um, you know, we have we're introduced to this idea of forced attrition where victims are forced to atone for their sins. Like they're not doing it because they really believe that they were wrong or that, you know, they love God or anything. It's because they're forced to like mm-hmm. held at gunpoint or, you know, whatever. Um and so I think that's interesting. Um, the whole interaction in the car is at the end is is just amazing. Um, you know, Kevin Spacey wanted his name removed from the opening credits, which was just a brilliant idea mm. because then when he comes in, it's a total surprise, and um, you know, credit to him. It's it's a great it's a great job that mm-hmm. he does. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's not a great person in real life mm-hmm. but um yeah and you know he 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 sees himself as this you know messenger but he admits that there's you know he says there's nothing wrong with a man taking pleasure in his work um and i also like how this is kind of addressing the fear of like having a child in this kind of messed up world mm-hmm um i think to add on to that too you said the conversation in the end with the car you know i think it's very telling that there a good movie is one that is rewatchable and even with the twist as big as it is at the end the what's in the box right Mm -hmm. that part um even with that what rewatching the ending is still really enjoyable because there are all these hints like he John Doe is completely goading him, completely mm-hmm. building up the anger, like playing him the whole time. And you just get to see that so much sooner when yeah. you know what the the result is. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. It is. Um, in terms of other monsters, though, um, it's I mean, almost sins. like... Hmm? Sin. Sin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the city of itself is a monster. Yeah, I mean, the idea is that, like, sins are so common that we just all tolerate them Mm -hmm. now. And you see see Morgan Freeman doing that when he's driving and when he's riding along in the beginning. Mm -hmm. He's, like, noticing all this, like, crime and degradation around Mm -hmm. him and just letting it. Yeah, and so... Brushing it off. Yeah, and I think somewhere in that final car ride, John Doe talks about how, you know, people... Like, either it's just easier not to care or, like, he's, you know, trying to preach to people who aren't bothering to listen. It's just, it's easier to be apathetic to other people's sins than it is to, like, actually work towards creating a more moral society. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, and I think that's what Brad Pitt's character wants to do, but Morgan Freeman's character has just decided that it's not. Or he's just there to clean up. 
Yeah. I mean, don't you think so? Like, yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's going to retire and, you know, just live his life. But then he decides he's not leaving at the end. Isn't that what he... He's not going to leave the city? He, he like, tells oh, is that him, it? I like, don't remember. He tells the... Whoever it is, maybe the chief or something, like, that he, he'll be around. Something like that. So I think he's retiring, but it, I don't think he's... I think it changed his mind that he would, it was worth staying and sort of like fighting for and being the good. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there's the trope of like the, the policeman's wife who, you know, will sometimes be like a nag, like you work too much, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. But Gwyneth Paltrow's character in here is, is so great. I mean, not only does she represent like just pure innocence, but also, um, just like the character that both men are just clearly fighting for, like they're fighting to protect mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Like that's the little glimpse of hope that we have. You know, we have her character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, when that's taken, it is like you know taking away hope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's um, it's good. Oh, also, um, I think gender is interesting in this i mean i kind of touched on the you know whole being a father thing but um like the swat team um is very macho you know mm-hmm. they like oh, oh they yeah. love this um it kind of reminded me of clarice in silence of the lands where like she's kind of the perfect idea of you know being both masculine and feminine um i think morgan freeman kind of plays that role here like he's both tough but also understanding and empathetic like he's not too gung-ho um or emotional like um mills Mm -hmm. so i think that idea of like what it means to be a good cop or what it means to be a good man um is played in here as well yeah all right, so giving it a point. Yeah, absolutely. Heck yeah. Scare factor. So, uh, I think it has clear intent. It's one of it keeps you in. Yeah, the, the whole tension movie. is paced perfectly throughout. Um, it's not just gross out, but you have a lot of really disgusting, gross stuff. But mm-hmm. it just fits in. I mean, it's not gratuitous. Everything you know, is about how ugly this world is. And yeah. so it, it just fits perfectly. And the complete opposite of Demon Knight. Demon Knight is all <laughs> gratuitous. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is pretty subtle. Yeah. Polar opposite. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I want to give it a point too, because I think, I mean, it's been a, been a long time. I don't remember the first time that I saw this movie. I had to have been... It wasn't like in the theaters or anything. I had to have been 14 or 15, I think. Yeah. And I don't remember it was like my middle first school, high school for me. Yeah. Reaction. But, you know, it's just new. Maybe you remember the the end or the different like setups of the sins. But I didn't remember having such an appreciation for like how the story unfolds and um, how it keeps the yeah. attention. For a out. moment, for a moment. Yeah. yeah reading of it yeah i didn't remember that but yeah the the scene with you know gluttony really stood out to me um 
the ending, yeah. obviously. Just basically Kevin Spacey's appearance. I mean, that really blew me away um, when I first watched this because uh, my sister and I were such big fans of The Usual Suspects. <laughs> and so um, we were Kevin Spacey fans. And we, you know, of course, we didn't know that he was in this. And so when he appeared, I mean, for us, it was just like taking it to this whole new level. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, he, and he was he was so creepy in it. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is just, you know, a perfect horror movie. Mm -hmm. And like I said, and I think it'd be good for the uninitiated, too, because it has good story. Um, it has the thriller suspense yeah. aspect of it. It's not necessarily a fun one to watch. Um, <laughs> like it's one that's, you know, it's difficult just because of the noir aspect to it where everyone is miserable. <laughs> Except yeah. for Gwyneth Paltrow. Everyone is miserable. Yeah. Um, everything is ugly and evil and, you know, well, I hesitate to even use the word evil. Everything is just human in mm. the worst way mm -hmm. so it's it's great all right so we've got one in the canon and one just for fun yeah <laughs> one just for fun that's gonna be it's not in the diaper let's put it back in that. the crypt let's put it back in the crypt all right so what are we moving on to next sticking okay. around in the 90s yeah so our last um episode um in the 90s is going to uh involve uh jacob's ladder um and the people under the stairs the people under the stairs yep so we're gonna try to do the same balancing act mm -hmm. one that's a little bit more playful and yeah. a little bit more serious yeah so we'll we'll see how it goes it's been a long time since i've seen both of those movies um and jacob's ladder's new for you yeah right. yeah right okay so right. that'll yep. be it you can check out more episodes at unoyasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E. Follow us uh, on Twitter at the underscore terror underscore test. Pencils down. The terror test is over.